Welcome in to Two for One Drafts, the Christmas special. I'm Austin Gale with Mike Renner. ton of good things to talk about today. We're going to unwrap some presents, if you will. Christmas came early, and it's right now. We're going to talk about favorites from the latest PFF 2020 NFL mock draft. Mike Renner spent all night doing it, ended up getting sick as a result. Yes. He's sick today. Bear with us. He's going to fight oh, yeah. through this, fight through this for Santa. I hope I don't actually have the flu, but I am sick. Okay, well, just stay away from me. That's all that matters. Uh, we're also going to preview the best prospects in the college football playoff. Is it six of our top ten prospects? Are yes. playing in these games? Are, yes, that absurd. is absurd. And then the last thing we're going to go into our naughty or nice list: a couple of rookies that didn't perform too well this past week, and some that did. So it's going to be a good, good list there. Um, let's go ahead and dive right into it, man. I like the Santa hat, by the way. You're looking great. Thank um, you. I mean, we're both wearing Santa hats. We both <laughs> favorites from the mock draft. Let's start with Jeffrey Akuda, Ohio State corner, going to the Detroit Lions. Big reason I like this one is because he's going to play a ton of man coverage. Going to play a ton of man coverage in that Lions defense with Darius Slay still there as well. I think it's a very impressive cornerback tandem that could be and Jeffrey Okuda going from Ohio State plays a ton of man coverage and then going into Detroit I think that would be a very very good fit for him and I think that's the biggest thing you have you know Darius Slay uh, on one side you have Justin Coleman in the slot but when you play man coverage you're always going to get your weakest link attacked it is sort of a, a weak link sort of proposition that's why the Patriots have a ton of corners every single year it seems like uh, that they're throwing out they're always trying to acquire talent at the position now cornerbacks have a history not really going top three in the draft. I think Akuda could be that exception, should be that exception. I think we should be changing that about the cornerback position. You should be willing to take those guys right at the top because they are game changers and Akuda in that defense, perfect fit, like you mentioned, with all the man covers that they do run. So with Jeffrey Akuda, obviously the number one cornerback on our big board right now, do you see him kind of keeping that spot through the combine, through all these things? Because Christian Paul's going to the senior bowl. Also the playoff. I, yeah, I mean, he gets to go up against a couple good wide receivers that are NFL caliber wide receivers. I foresee him looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those games, whatever, you know, if it is Clemson. I, I'm convinced LSU, that there are going to be some teams that fall in love with Christian Fulton at the Senior Bowl. I think good head on his shoulders. I think he's going to win these one-on-ones pretty nicely. He's going to go against a good receiver group, mm-hmm. too. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be down there. I think it's it's going to be a very interesting I would be surprised frame. if he takes a snap at the Senior Bowl. Really? Even in practices? Yes. I, I, you just don't need to. When mm-hmm. you're a first-round pick, like you're the only, like if you get torched, you know, on a handful like whip rounds or something, like some guy like puts you in the mix, okay. all of a sudden you're going down a draft board, whereas he He's put on great tape for two years now at LSU. So, yeah, I, I think he is not going to play the senior bowl. And then at that point, I think Akuda still going to be our top cornerback. You get one route to beat a corner at the senior bowl, Mike. What are you going to take there? Oh, that's good. I mean, double moves are just filthy. Oh, yeah, you have to go. It, it has to be a double move. I guess what type? I, I think a sluggo. I mean, yeah, I think you like hit him like off coverage, I mean, slant and go. Amari Cooper's patented sluggo yeah. is just absolutely beautiful. Let's go to the next pick here. Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa offensive tackle, going to the Arizona Cardinals. Love this one because he's a super athletic tackle, a mover, a guy who can play guard early in the NFL if you needed mm-hmm. him to. He could also go play tackle as well. I think going to the Arizona Cardinals, who are going to continue to run these light personnel, try and get people out of the box and get people in space. Also, run a ton of screens. They run a ton of screens with that system that Cliff Kingsbury's put in place. I think Worfs makes so much sense to go there. You need athleticism along the line if you're going to run an offense like that. Worfs to Arizona. This is one that I think is going to be, we're going to mock this a lot over, mm-hmm. over the course of the season. They're going to be rumored to be together a lot because of just like you, all the things you mentioned there in terms of his athleticism, how what he is as a prospect, fitting in with their defense. And now that Jedrick Wills, the Alabama offense tackle, has been seemingly shooting up 
draft boards, and we have him going fourth in this one to the New York Giants, sort of jumping where so the Arizona Cardinals, you know, winning games. Now with the ninth overall pick, I do think that they probably won't get the top offensive lineman on the board. Probably one or two will go ahead, but whoever they do get will still be, you know, a pretty good consolation prize. This tackle class is fairly stacked. We're diving into our favorites from the latest PFF 2020 NFL mock draft. You can see that live on YouTube on the ticker below. You can also find it on the website, pff.com, dropped early this morning. So if you want to see the full list, definitely dive in there. But for now, let's dive into these favorites. CD Lamb, Oklahoma wideout. He'll have an opportunity to go against a very good LSU defense this upcoming weekend here. And then he's going to go to the New York Jets in your latest mock draft at number 10 overall. Give Sam Darnold a weapon. It's likely that Robbie Anderson, who will be an unrestricted free agent this offseason, departs for greener pastures, ideally. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, bring in CD Lamb, a guy that can do it before and after the catch, a sure-handed receiver. The guy can the big play waiting to happen type. I think makes this offense better. And I think Adam Gase, if you can't win with CeeDee Lamb and Sam Darnold and company, Le'Veon Bell, I'm starting to get worried. Yeah, I think a lot of teams towards the top of the draft will pass on the wide receiver position because of how deep a class is. And, you know, the guy they're getting in the top five uh, compared to, uh, you know, the guy can get on the wrap in the second round. There's an incremental difference. There's no CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy that you're going to find in the second round. But at the same time, there's really not going to be an offensive tackle like Jedrick Wills. There's really not going to be a cornerback like Jeffrey Okuda. There's really not going to be an edge guy like Chase Young. So we're going to see some teams pass on wide receiver like we did last year, but I do think once you get around to 10 where the Jets are picking... They're not going to be able to pass on a talent like C.D. Lamb, especially with how much they've needed to add around Sam Darnold and have been unable to over the, his two-year career now in New York. So I do think that C.D. Lamb has a good shot of jumping Jerry Judy as the first wide receiver off the board this year. I do think Marquise Brown, how good he has looked as a rookie, is almost helping him in terms of, oh, you're projecting from this offense. Similar role. This guy came in, produced you know, exceptionally well at Oklahoma last year, comes in the NFL, does the same thing. C.D. Lamb, I think, could get helped out by that in NFL evaluators' eyes. And the fact that he's played far more on the outside than Jerry Judy has will also help his draft stock. Let's stay at CeeDee Lamb a little bit, because it's obviously CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy in the conversation for wide receiver one in this class. You have in the latest mock draft CeeDee Lamb going to the New York Jets at 10 and the Denver Broncos at 11 taking Jerry Judy, who has played a ton in the slot, but can also play outside a very an elite separator in this class. Mm-hmm. What What's the difference between the two, the key difference that maybe separates them when the NFL evaluators get all said and done? I think Lamb's just got a little bigger bodied guy, a little more contested catchability, a little more body control that you can you know throw it up to him down the football field. We really haven't seen Judy have too many sort of jump balls down the football field. He gets open, open at the highest level of probably anyone in this draft class. I think anyone he gets open more so than even CD Lamb. But we've never seen him once things are you know guy is one on one, guy is right in his hip pocket, make a ton of plays. That just has not been him. CD Lamb on the other hand, it's been a lot better in those sort of situations. He's not, he hasn't done it a ton though. He's not like T. Higgins, who is probably, you know, we've seen more of than anyone else in this class doing that. But CeeDee Lamb still has been better in those and I think projects well with his, you know, size to the NFL. Do you have a comp for either of those players, a pro comp oh, for either of those players? I know that's throw tough. me on the spot. I know. I don't want to throw here. you on the spot with a comp here. Jerry Judy, it's easy to I make mean, an Alabama had, comp. I mean, uh, Amari Cooper comp. I mean, they, a they lot of people go with DeAndre Hopkins for CeeDee Lamb, mm-hmm. and I think Lamb's probably a little better athlete than Hopkins. Wow. But I see, and but Hopkins was a little bigger. Also, mm-hmm. like coming out, Hopkins, I think it was like in the 200s. 
uh, I don't see Lamb getting up to that. So uh, from, I think uh, you can see the body control and hands sort of thing in the after-the-catch ability, though. Uh, it's a really national comp. Let's go to our next favorite pick in the 2020 mock draft here. Javon Kinlaw, the South Carolina defensive interior, going to the Oakland Raiders. I like this one a lot because they already have Maurice Hurst Jr. there, who has flashed at times a bit. Hasn't really lived up to the potential we thought he could have in the NFL after grading so well at Michigan, but still playing well there. But they still desperately need a good pass rusher, whether it's in the edge, on the edge, or in the interior. Javon Kinlaw, Mm -hmm. exactly that. Great length, can beat you at the point of attack, wins pass rush snaps quickly. I think if you're going, the defensive interior class is very good. You could see a handful of them go in the first round. Javon Kinlaw, one of my favorites because of that length, because of what he can do as a pass rusher. Yeah, and I said, you know, in the mock that the Raiders get their own version of Chris Jones, and that's similarly how Kinlaw is built. I think you might even be a little more stout against the run than Jones coming out. Maybe not necessarily the raw, uh, you know, pass rushing tools that Jones had, but this guy's played all over the South Carolina defensive line, too. Over 200 snaps at nose tackle this year on that defense and has a 90-plus pass rushing grades getting the job done. Uh, he ticks a lot of boxes on the interior. If you're getting a guy like him in the teens of this draft, uh, you'd be real happy about who you're getting. Much better prospect in my eyes than someone like Christian Wilkins, who went 13th. You know, oh, absolutely. If you're getting Kinlaw versus that, I'd take Kinlaw every day of the week. I mean, and it all comes down to the fact that he can add value as a passer. Should be in you know, add above expectation as a pass rusher. That's where it's huge. We got a comment on the YouTube. Detroit Lions, they like the Jeffrey Akuda pick, Good. but. We already have Amani Oruari and Darius Slay. We've said this time and yeah. time again. No one has enough cornerbacks in the yeah. NFL. You need to continue to add to that position. When you can get a big-time talent like Jeffrey Okuda, I think you pull the trigger, especially when the scheme matches. Like Jeffrey Okuda yeah. wants to play in a Detroit Lions, New England Patriots type of scheme. I think they should not pass on Okuda because they have Amani Oruari and Darius Slay. They should go get him yeah. because he's an elite talent. Draft players, not positions. Mm-hmm. Going to the next favorite in this mock, we have Jalen Johnson, the Utah Warriors. Underclassmen. I know there's a ton of seniors and Utah's defense that are going to be, are playing at a high level. He's going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles, who desperately need cornerback help. I think the position or the position of need is obvious. It speaks to itself. They've been terrible in the secondary this year, but I really do like mm-hmm. this Jalen Johnson guy. I looked at his. Um, Passer rating allowed on targets of 10-plus yards over the past two years, 19.5. Best good. in the power five. It's pretty insane. He does not <laughs> give up the big play. Yeah, he's very good down the football field. Very physical. I'll go back to his matchup with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside last year. It was very fun to watch. In terms, they just went back and forth with each other. Ortega-Whiteside won a few of them. And Jalen Johnson had himself a pick six in that game. So every single year of his career, three-year starter now, sub-60 uh, passer rating against allowed, so he's just been consistently hard to pass against. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think when you see it over that large of a sample size, you feel way more comfortable projecting a guy to the NFL. And, and giving up the big plays is the biggest thing. Is when you are tested deep down the football field, where there's mm-hmm. the most opportunity to get torched, to get Jalen Mills, to Rosal Dug- Douglas of the world, get torched down the football field. That's when you really find out if you you can really make it in the NFL. And, and I think what we just heard about the you know they have Omanio Aruare the Lions. Eagles are the case study of why you don't why you keep drafting yes. cornerbacks. They felt comfortable with. You know, Roswell Douglas with Sidney Jones, letting them develop. And now all of a sudden they have one of the worst cornerback groups in the NFL because they didn't. And I think that can set you back so much when that is the case that you can't risk it uh, if a guy hasn't shown, you know, that he's 
a solid to above average cornerback in the NFL. You can't just rely on them taking that next step. I think this is an opportunity too to bring up kind of our our evaluation process. I know one that you've kind of talked about highly is when you're looking at cornerbacks. For one of the first things you can do is look at these targets of five, ten plus mm-hmm. air yards to get an idea of how they do down the football field. I think a perfect example is Hamp Cheevers, the Boston College cornerback. I think went undrafted and now isn't in the NFL. But you watch just his targets and you see what he does on like mm-hmm. a four yard slant. You get excited about him breaking yeah, what's in front of him. Then you watch just his ten plus and you see he's getting burned way more than you'd mm-hmm. like to see. And like that's just a high percentage of targets you're losing and you can't lose those valuable routes uh, to wide receivers. I think it's an interesting way to evaluate cornerbacks and definitely a good one. Let's go to the next fit or favorite pick here. Henry Ruggs, the speedster out of Alabama, going to the Green Bay Packers, giving Aaron Rodgers life. Mm-hmm. I have a couple things here. Henry Ruggs, obviously a burner, big play waiting to happen. I think he's a guy that is going to stretch the field at the NFL level. Another thing, though, is when I watch, I watched, I rewatched that LSU game, and he's pretty good at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I think his routes are, are better than what I would call Devontae mm-hmm. Smith's even. I do. That's why I I think, we have much higher on our board mm-hmm. than Devontae Smith right now is because of that. I think Ruggs is a better route runner than Devontae Smith, and he has all that speed, and he's great mm-hmm. down the football field, and his pass rating when targets like absurd for his collegiate career. He scores touchdowns, and that's yeah. pretty much it. I think Ruggs in the NFL is going to be impressive. Jerry Judy, obviously awesome, but we just we cannot stop talking good things about Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith. Either. Yeah, 153.5 pass rating for his career when targeted. Mm-hmm. So, absurd production when they do throw him the ball there in that Alabama offense for whatever reason. Have not thrown, didn't throw him the ball that much this year. Only 50 targets, but again, caught 38 of them, seven touchdowns, average over 10 yards after the catch per reception, which is a crazy figure, 18.9 per. Uh, and he is a speed... He's a speed receiver, but he's not a just a speed receiver. He has very good ball skills. I know the Packers already have a guy in Marcus Valdez-Scantling who sort of fills that speed role for them, but he has dog shit for ball skills mm-hmm. compared to Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, only four drops on 100 catchable his entire college career, uh, would immediately be an upgrade over that. And so, I mean, you have Devontae Adams on one side, him on the other, very different types of receivers, but I think it, it pairs a challenge uh, for opposing defenses then at that point. They just need some talent mm-hmm. in that receiver room. Uh, pretty much a handful of times this year, you've just, if you watch the Packers games, you're just thinking they need someone else to step up and make a play besides Devontae Adams. And Alan Lazard's kind of been that guy, but they really don't have anyone else. Before we dive into the next favorite of the 2020 mock draft here, I got two updates from the YouTube comments, the live comments here. One, Stefan Diggs comp for Jerry Judy, which I don't like. Yeah. I don't hate. I don't kind of like that. Okay. Other one, they would like to see us do this podcast on mushrooms. I, I think that's an opportunity, maybe down Is the road, a, a summer type of thing. I think there's opportunity there. Uh, going to the next pick here, Jordan Love, Utah State quarterback, going to the New England Patriots. This guy, Jordan Love, gets a lot of get a lot gets a lot of love mm-hmm. for his arm talent, for his potential, for his ceiling. But there is some concern with his floor. They know he needs to develop a little bit more. He's coming out early after a year that wasn't that yeah. great. Going to the Patriots, sit behind Tom Brady. It's a classic one. People have been mocking quarterbacks to the Patriots for the past five years. Years. Okay, <laughs> true. The jo- Jordan Love to the Patriots, though, it's always going to make sense, especially for those quarterbacks who you think need a year or two to develop in the NFL. So here's been my take on Jordan Love in terms of draft, drafting him highly in the NFL draft. He had 20 touchdown passes, 17 picks. If you're a GM or head coach who's not necessarily set in stone, who doesn't feel confident about their job security, you're going to get roasted in your local media. You're probably going to get roasted in the national media. You know, like the the Daniel Jones thing, and this is even you know worse than oh, Daniel yeah. Jones statistically in terms of how he 
looks as a prospect to the you know the casual fan. If this guy doesn't turn out to be good after the year he just had, you're gone. As a GM, you're gone. If you put your sort of stake in this guy and he doesn't turn out to be good, you're like it's kind of like the Christian Hackenberg. It's like why the hell are you drafting this guy who had terrible statistics, who looked terrible at times yeah. this past year, uh, and thinking he'll all of a sudden turn around in the NFL, and then when he doesn't, uh, you're just going to get roasted. But Bill Belichick has the job security to where he can make this pick. It can flop uh, all over the I place. I mean, Bill Belichick's flopped on a handful of first round picks. It can, it can not work out, and he's, I'm pretty sure his job's still going to be safe. So mm-hmm. I do think that that could end up working in the mm-hmm. Patriots' favor because he is a talented, incredibly talented guy. Things went really south on him this year in terms of everything around him, but there's some good things to like about him and gets rid of the ball quickly, does not take sacks, has good pocket presence. Inconsistent footwork needs to develop, but yeah, I I think he's still going to end up going whether it's late first round or early second round. You know what it was for Jordan Love is he lost Darwin Thompson, an absolute you know explosive weapon. You know, losing a running back like that, you just can't make it work. That's no. actually not why. No, I do I do love Darwin <laughs> no, Thompson. Darwin. I, I do love Darwin Thompson. All right, let's go. You know, Last favorites of the 2020 mock draft year. We're going Jalen Rager, the TCU wide receiver, coming out early after what was mm-hmm. an, a disappointing season, only because we expected so much of him, but a lot of that on quarterback play and other things. He's going to the New Orleans Saints, which I'm all for. Mocking this, this, fast receivers that can separate to New Orleans Saints to okay. compliment Mike, Mike yeah. Thomas is just money. I would say the Saints are in luck this year in terms of how this draft and how the draft class looks to be shaping out in terms of they, they need someone else besides Michael Thomas pretty desperately. Like, at some point, someone's going to figure out how to make sure that offense can't just pump Michael Thomas 15 targets a game and have to make Drew Brees go elsewhere, go down the football field. Uh, and I think they need a secondary option and haven't had one this year mm-hmm. whatsoever. Rager could easily be that guy right out the gate. I mean, his, the situation he'd be in would be night and day from yeah. what we saw from him at TCU. If Rager uh, falls... And just, and just another sort of offensive weapon that would be put to use in New Orleans in terms of when he, they did throw him screens, it was electric. Like He is electric with the ball in his hands, could be a, uh, you know just a weapon for them in any sort of mold, and we know Sean Payton's willing to take advantage of guys like that. They'll have a bevy of weapons with Taysom Hill still there, too. I mean, that's just, oh, no, he's a free agent. I was talking about this. Taysom Hill cannot go anywhere else. Is yeah. there, no other team would use him the way he's used in New Orleans. I 100% disagree if, that, if someone has a different take. Because if you leave Sean Payton you're on the bench. It's right? like a backup yeah. special, or he'll play special teams somewhere else. But that's yeah. pretty much it. Staying with the Saints, though, I think Jalen Rager, if he falls to the back end of the first round, top of the second, you're coming away with a steal, dude. I mean, that is just—he's yeah. such an electric player that I think got boned a bit by bad quarterback. Bone. Play Bone's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, I think got boned. He got boned by because we've said this before on a previous podcast. If Rager plays for Alabama, we're talking about a guy that like goes. You're off. talking about him just like the same breath as Rugs. Exactly. Or like yeah. you even said, played that role of Devin Duvernay in Texas. The dude just torches oh, yeah. like eighteen hundred yards. Yeah. I mean, that's where it would be. Um, that's going to do it for our favorites from the 2020 Mock Draft PFF's latest, PFF Mike's latest. And remember, you can continue to follow that along on the ticker below. Um, next thing we're going to do is we're going to dive into the college football playoff, looking at the top 10 prospects. Um, then we're going to move forward. Let's, uh, let's talk about the shirt you got on today. I'm, I'm very interested. It looks nice. Yeah, it's the proper cloth. Uh, it's, I think it's the one I've been wearing for the last three times we've done this show. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that good. It fits <laughs> really nicely. Uh, and uh, I have five of these now, and mm-hmm. I didn't ha- own like any dress shirts before this, mm-hmm. and that's because one, I don't wear dress clothes a lot, but two, uh, it's difficult to find the ones that fit. Yep, big shout out to Proper Cloth. I like the fit, I like the style, I like the feel. 
Huge fan of that. They're sponsoring the podcast. I have five of my own. One with a little monogram AG on there. Okay. Okay. You're flossing at the bars here in Cincy, Cincy Vegas. Uh, but, you know, stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Go to propercloth.com slash PFF today. You can save $20 on your first shirt with promo code PFF20. We also have to, rep- you know, uh, shout out our sponsors from Western Southern. It doesn't matter if it's football or financial wellness. The right questions will always give you the best chance for a win. Western Southern has partnered with us at PFF to give you a chance for an up-close and personal look at the X's and O's that will lead to both financial and football success. Looking for insight on your financial future? Need an inside-the-huddle tip? Head to westernsouthern.com slash ask-chris to ask Western Southern and PFF your most pressing questions. You can even win tickets to the big game. The big game being the Super Bowl. Everyone wants to know who's going to win the college football playoff. Is it Clemson, Ohio State? Some people rooting for Joe Burrow. Clemson probably <laughs> with Trevor Lawrence. But I think there's a little bit of a better storyline here too. Is I want to watch the te- you know the best prospects, the best 2020 NFL draft prospects in the college football playoff. I think a good opportunity for us now is to rank the 10 best 2020 NFL draft prospects in the college football playoff. Know who you're watching for. Our Bengals fans need to be paying close attention because yeah. the guy number one on the list, Joe Burrow, above average Joe, a guy that's been a rocket ship this entire college football season he's gonna have an opportunity to go against some good defenses not the first team Oklahoma he'll probably shred but the second team will obviously have a good defense I think it's an opportunity for Bengals fans to prepare for Mr. Ohio returning to Cincinnati yeah the crazy thing about Joe Burrows we haven't seen him play bad football this year Mm -hmm. like after last year uh you know he had a 79.5 grade uh overall Solid, nothing too special though. Really wasn't even on our radar as a top prospect. But his worst game this season, in his worst game, he went thirty-two of forty-two for three hundred twenty-one yards with a touchdown and a pick. Jeez. That is that is him bottoming out. You know, we've seen Justin Herbert, we've seen some other other top quarterback prospects. When it goes south, it goes real south, and all of a sudden they can't complete a pass. You know, multiple picks in the game. Joe Burrow's worst game still a three hundred yard game, still above above seventy percent completion percentage on the day. He did that every single game this year. Just absurd what we're seeing from. Them. And while there are some other incredible prospects in this college football playoff, Joe Burrow, unquestionably, the number one overall pick. This is the best, most impressive quarterback season we've done in our six years of grading college football. I'd argue his lead is safe. Like him at being number one overall in the college football playoff, yes. him being number one overall in the draft. However, are there are these games, is there an opportunity here for Joe Burrow to fall down, in your opinion, or is it too no. small of a sample size? Too small of a sample size. He's already played Alabama's defense. He already played True. one of the top five defenses in the NFL. He already played Florida's defense. And that one felt like a playoff game. That, that felt did. like a playoff yeah, game. it did. And he came, showed up. Same same, mm-hmm. same same, thing, different day. You know, mm-hmm. he dominated that both those defenses, carved them up, downfield throws, intermediate throws, all the things you want to see from a quarterback. He wasn't just dink and dunking. He wasn't just throwing oh, screens yeah. and having his, his wide receivers take balls, you know, 20 yards uh, after the catch. Joe Burrow's doing it a lot on his own arm. That's why he is unquestionably number one. If he falls apart in one of these games, you maybe have a little bit more uh, question about him going to the NFL, but he's not going to fall off number one on our board. The NFL throws are what's most impressive. Him putting the ball 10 plus yards down the football field on a rope with great arm, you know, showing off pretty decent arm talent there, great accuracy. His, his adjusted completion percentage is absurd this year. He's done such a good job of putting the ball where it needs to be on these NFL throws. No, Not a ton of schemed production. This guy's hitting open receivers, throwing receivers open, playing well inside and outside of structure. He's going to be a player to watch. Let's go to number two, Chase Young of Ohio State. He's going to have an opportunity in the first round to go against a very good group offensive tackle talent at Clemson. I think this is an opportunity for Ohio State 
Chase Young to really show he's the number two overall pick, real lock there. Yeah, if I was, you know, treating all positions equally, which we don't do here at PFF because you can't, because you can't just say a long snapper yeah. is the best prospect in the playoff. But if I was treating all positions equally, I feel the best about Chase Young being a high quality NFL player. I, I think from day one, he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber edge rusher. That's just the type of player we've seen from this year, going to shatter the PFF record for pass rushing grade set by Josh Allen last year. That's not even going to be close. Has three plus pressures in every single game, except for the Northwestern game. And the only reason they didn't was because after the very first snap, he gets a sack in that Northwestern game. They rolled away from him almost every single other play. After that. Literally just rolled the quarterback away from the side that Chase Young was on, only read half the field. So even when he's not getting those three plus pressures, he's completely changing your game plan. He is that good. Ticks the production box, size, speed, athleticism, all you want. He has at the edge position. He's a game changer and he's a good kid too. Steve Palazzolo had an opportunity to go to the football, uh, college football awards and talk to him. He's a really nice kid. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's going to go to the NFL and instantly have an impact. I think similarly to what we're seeing with Nick Bosa, yeah. I think they, they both can have impact early in their careers. I think Chase Young is a monster. He's going to have an opportunity to really you know splash on the he's, national stage. To me, a better prospect than we saw. So we graded Miles Garrett. Miles mm-hmm. Garrett goes number one overall. He's a better prospect than Miles Garrett wow. in terms of just where he's at in his developmental curve. Miles Garrett, freak athlete, freakish size. We're still we young started too. To, Chase Young still to see young. that come on. But yeah, Chase Young, only a junior. I think he's already more refined as a prospect and has all that high-end athleticism and physical traits mm-hmm. that you want the position. We're staying in Ohio State for number three. Jeffrey Akuda, former five-star recruit, now with all the ball production you want to see. Yeah. He's doing such a good job this year across a decent target volume and now going against Clemson, Trevor Lawrence and that receiving core. This is an opportunity for Jeffrey Akuda to really splash again. Like Again, the college football playoff is such a huge opportunity for these draft prospects that are trying to go in the top ten, like an Akuda, like a Chase Young, to really cement their status. And I think Akuda, a good game, gets T. Higgins and company. Exactly. I'm, I'm all for it. He can make himself some money. T. Higgins will get to a little later on in this top ten. Also, Justin Ross, the wide receiver there for Clemson, probably going to be a first-rounder in 2021 if mm-hmm. he does come out. So, that guy's a two, freak. So two two really good wide receiver prospects he's going up against, and he's allowed a 54.9 passer rating against for his career. Mm-hmm. Multiple years of starting has just not allowed anything. It's not like he just has a ton of picks to get that low pass rating. Only three picks in his career. He's just, when you target him, it's not going to be complete down the football field, and when it's, when it's complete underneath, it's not usually going to go for a first down or a touchdown there against Jeffrey Okuda. He has just been stingy for the last couple of years. Let's go to number four. One of my favorite prospects in the 2020 NFL draft. I called him wide receiver 1B with Jerry Judy because both of those guys, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb of Oklahoma, that's the guy at number four, are so impressive. I think CeeDee Lamb, after the catch, has done some wild things this year. Also good in contested catch situations. I know LSU is probably going to blow out Oklahoma, but if there's going to be a guy that keeps this thing close, it's CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Hurts. That connection, he's been so good this year. Talk to me about CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb, 25 broken tackles on 58 catches this year. And it's, he's not, and it's not just screens. He's getting a lot of downfield oh, passes yeah. in the Oklahoma offense, and then he breaks tackles. Uh, he is as dynamic as it gets with the ball in his hands, and then at the catch point, his body control uh, is right up there. The DeAndre Hopkins sort of comparisons write themselves. He has that level of hands, that level of body control, is just that talented a receiver. I'm not sure if he blows the doors off the combine in Indy in terms of testing-wise, but flip on the tape and the dude gets open yep. play after play after play. Uh, he's the sixth overall player on our draft, but we're going to talk about this. Is The more we go down in this top in this top 10 list, but this is the most talented college football playoff we've ever seen from a draft perspective. Yep. Four guys within the top six players on our draft board will Yikes. be playing this upcoming week. That is incredible. I remember seeing a pregame fit for CeeDee Lamb wearing a Fred Bolitnikoff jersey, Oakland Raiders. I think that's a nice fit. Oakland Raiders need a receiver ever since sure. losing Antonio Brown. I think I like that fit already. Let's go to number five, Isaiah Simmons, a linebacker, safety hybrid for Clemson, a guy that really fits where the NFL is going. 
going. You need these unique, versatile types that can come into the NFL, cover a tight end, cover a running back out of the backfield, and still play the run pretty decently. He's got that rangy skill. Isaiah Simmons, a very impressive player. He'll be in the playoff as well. Yeah, this dude's a freak. 6'4", 230, but they play him more at safety and slot cornerback than they even do at linebacker in that Clemson defense. Kind of a very new hybrid sort of style there with them, but of his 650 snaps, 230 from the slot, 107 as a deep safety, uh, and he does it well. Mm -hmm. Uh, He plays, you know, has an 80-plus coverage grade in that role this year. you go back to the offseason when there's the video of him running the 40-yard dash against Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, going stride for stride at the end. He's going to run in the 4-4s. He has the freakish sort of coverage range and ability that you need to play linebacker in the NFL. A work in progress, you know, against the run. He doesn't have to take on a lot of blocks. So is Devin White, to be fair. I think Devin White was also a work in progress. But that's not going to really move the needle. He's good against the run, sideline to sideline, which is, I think, where uh, even the run games are going in today's Absolutely. Look at the 49ers. They run outside a ton. They do those pitches to Raheem Mostert and company with with Isaiah Simmons too. He's six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds. And he's playing snaps at slot corner, free safety. This guy's a game changer. I really like uh, his prototype there. Let's go to number six. Another one of my favorite prospects. We got a lot of favorites in the college football playoff. Christian Fulton is an absolute stud. Legit match and mirror ability. Yeah. I had an opportunity to listen to an interview with Daniel Jeremiah. I moved the sticks between Christian Fulton. Really smart between the ears. This is a guy that wants to get better. Represent LSU as DBU, the DBU. I think Christian Fulton, one of the better man corners in this class. Akuda very good too, but Christian Fulton, yeah. a very special player. Yeah, so uh, number six on here on this list, also number 10 on our draft board. So six of the top 10 you'll be watching this weekend in this upcoming uh, Against good matchups games. too. Yes. That's the biggest yes. thing. Not only are they going to be playing this weekend, but they're going to go against top competition. It's an opportunity to really put an exclamation mark on your evaluation yeah. for these players. And so the, what I love about Christian Fulton is he is top five among all cornerbacks nationally in terms of press coverage snaps this season. <laughs> we have seen him play press man played at a very high level the highest grade cornerback in the sec this year had a higher overall grade than greedy williams did last year at lsu the second round pick there uh for the browns i think he is a i think he's a top like i said he's the 10th player on our board so i think he's a top 10 caliber player easily a first rounder but then again it can make himself some money if you go up against cd lamb and mm-hmm. performs maybe go up against the next week go up against someone like t higgins and performs uh, I, I think he has a good chance to shoot his way up draft boards this upcoming week i'm gonna throw a little two for one in here i know christian Fulton's going to be fun. He's going against the top competition. But opposite of him, there's an 18-year-old, Derek Stingley Jr., that is an absolute monster. He's going to be fun to watch. Not for the 2020 NFL draft. That's good for Lamb. Lamb Exactly. Dude, it's going to be a very good, very good college football playoff. I'm getting excited already. Let's go to number seven. We're standing at LSU secondary, Grant Delpit. Yes, he's missed a ton of tackles, but injuries have been a part of that. He's still a very special player. Rangy Mm -hmm. has this all this athleticism. I think he's a leader on that team. I I think he's, he's, he's very impressive. And an opportunity again to go against a very good passing offense in Oklahoma. Show off what he can do. Tackle C.D. Lamb after the catch. Show me some tackles, Grant Delpit. You tackle C.D. Lamb after the catch, I'm going to get excited. And he's very much a modern safety. 6'3", 203. Can play in the box, can play deep, can play in the slot. Anywhere you want. Has that coverage range and those sort of plays that I saw him make plays from the middle of the field last year that just you can't really teach a guy to make. Mm -hmm. He either can make those plays or he doesn't. Last year, he was higher on the board coming into this year with 12 
12 combined picks and pass breakups in 2018. But like you mentioned, he's missed almost a quarter of his tackles this year. Has had an ankle injury that's added to some of that. But those tackles are a big deal. You know, tackling does matter, and especially when you get to the NFL, shutting down screens and those sort of things is something he's going to have to do and do better than he can does right now. But the innate coverage ability that he has, you cannot teach. That's why he's number seven here on our list. Let's get back to the offensive side of the ball. Offense wins championships. Am I right? Let's go T. Higgins of Clemson, sure-handed receiver, very good ball skills, great in contested catch situations. One of the bigger receivers in this class. I think he overshadowed a bit by the Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb a little bit, but he's still very good. And I think he has an opportunity against Ohio State. Jeffrey Kuda and company, Sean Wade, maybe in the mix there, is going to have an opportunity to really rock it up. Yeah, you call them sure-handed. That's almost underselling his ability. I apologize. A highlight reel (laughs) of catches on par with any other wide receivers in the nation. Great ball skills. And at 6'4", 215, he is a very good in contested catches as well. I love his body control. Him and Trevor Lawrence on back shoulder fades. Uh, probably the best sort of combination in the country on those sort of routes. Only five drops on 116 catchable passes over the past couple of seasons. Uh, he has a little more speed and a little more wiggle after the catch than most six foot four, 215 pound wide receivers as well. Uh, this guy can get open at a high level. A, a top 25 player on our draft board. Number nine on this list, staying with Clemson's offense, Travis Etienne, nickname TNT, because this dude is explosive. He's an absolute rocket out of the backfield. Some of the highest yards per carry we've ever seen. After contact, mm-hmm. forcing missed tackles. He's going to break the PFF record for forced missed tackles per touch. He's such a, a, a great runner. Very explosive. Fits where the NFL is going. I'm not saying take him in the first round. We're not going that deep here, but Travis Etienne still awesome to watch. I think he's going to have an opportunity to really rock it. Yeah, he's the top running back on our draft board. Came into Clemson, kind of just this speed guy. A little skinny. He's up to about 215 pounds. Now, a complete running back now can carry that every down sort of load 84 broken tackles this year most of any running back in the country 181 rushing attempts 47th most of anyway he was breaking tackles at just an absurd rate this year and for his career over a fifth of his carries have gone for 10 plus yards one out of every five carries is going to be a home run that's just the type of running back he is so explosive straight line speed off the charts but then he also has that make you miss ability to me i don't really think it's a question he is the best running back in this draft class man and i remember in some mock drafts you've mocked him to the baltimore ravens talk about that explosiveness marquise brown Travis Etienne, Lamar Jackson. You're talking about an offense that is so hard to stop. They can beat you in so many ways. I like that fit. The Baltimore Ravens should already be trying to make calls there. If they don't win the Super Bowl, they might have a chance to get him there. Let's go to the last player on this. Clemson cornerback, A.J. Teller, six foot one, 190 pounds, a longer corner. A guy that, again, overshadowed a bit what I think is a very good cornerback class at the top and Christian Fulton and... Um, uh, Jeffrey Akuda, I think uh, this this guy though is still a very good player in his own right. Yeah, Terrell's long fits that sort of mold that you're looking for in a modern cornerback. And the only thing is, kind of the only difference between him and guys like Okuda and Fulton is just he hasn't gotten tested. At yeah. Clemson. they don't even throw at him. Only targeted 30 times all season long. Has only allowed 192 uh, yards uh, this season. He's really been excellent over the course of his career. Passer rating allowed a 53.8 this season. Uh, I go back to the national champ game last year. He has the pick six, but the most impressive route to me was Devontae Smith, a little out and up. He did not give Devontae Smith a foot. The entire route was wow. in his hip pocket for a little uh, forced a little overthrow. Would have probably picked it off if that throw would have been on target. He has some high-level reps like that. We just need to see him get tested, and the good news is he's probably going to get tested here uh, this upcoming weekend against Ohio State. Against Ohio State, he better be ready to get tested. He's going to be throwing the ball a lot. Justin Fields, the second-highest graded quarterback in college football, according to PFF grades, right behind Number one on the list, Joe Burrow cannot wait for this weekend. 
It's time to get who's naughty and who's nice. Let's check this list twice, put the Santa hands up firmer, and let's get into this. Starting with nice, Jacksonville Jaguars rookie offensive tackle, Jawan Taylor. Zero pressures allowed on 40 pass blocking snaps this past weekend. Very good set from him. Yeah, career high, 81.8 grade. Uh, you know, the, the Vic Beasley caveat, whatever, Vic Beasley disappears in a lot of games. That happens. Vic Beasley's had some flashes this year, though. But he also dominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so to shut him out like he did, very good. Uh, I think he's had an encouraging rookie season. 69.1 pass blocking grade. That's very good in the grand scheme of things. Just getting average tackle play. I mean, that's that's you know borderline what like Donovan Smith's best year is, and we just saw him get paid like thirteen million a year uh, this past year. So I do think to have gotten him at the top of the second round looks like one of the better picks of this uh, you know two thousand nineteen draft. Sixty nine point one PFF pass blocking grade so far this year on six hundred eighty eight pass blocking snaps. And we said this, we've been hitting this since the start of this podcast. Really, is that getting that kind of offensive tackle play from a rookie is very difficult. It's hard. The, the, the rookie wall, the learning curve at that position is difficult. You see it with even a ton of top uh, highly drafted picks to struggle in pass protection early on. Jawan Taylor proving that he could be quite the quite the find in the second round for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same with Gardner Minshew, that tandem there. Now you, I do love Gardner Minshew. Um, let's go ahead and move forward on this nice list, or do you want to pivot to Naughty? Uh, let's, yeah, let's do one naughty. Yeah, okay, go. let's do one naughty. Devlin Duck Hodges was throwing absolute ducks. He got pulled and then put back in and then pulled. It, it, it was snip, snap, snip, snap. The office gift was going off. Um, 28.9 PFF passing grade. Not good. Not great. That's yeah. naughty. Okay, you're getting lumps of coal in your stocking for that kind of performance. Three turnover worthy plays on 20 dropbacks. You cannot be impressed with the duck. Yeah, Greg Williams came after him. I mean, 40% of his snaps, he got blitzed. I love how uh, Greg Williams treats young quarterbacks. The dude just sees blood in the It's like a shark. He's blood in the water, takes it that really safety from like 50 yards deep to a little yeah. bit closer, maybe 45, and then just sends then the sends dogs. Else. Yeah. yeah. No, but it was just ugly. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. nothing going. Three turnover really plays and 20 dropbacks. I mean, couldn't even complete and then pass down the football field. That, that was what we were worried about. And then like we, what we said a few weeks back when things were going well, it was just like, yeah, he's like, looks a little. He's completing passes, but just has not had anything of mm-hmm. note down the football field. And that's kind of what we've seen catch up to him here. Deontay Johnson, though, has played well. I think he leads the Pittsburgh Steelers in receptions and receiving yards so far this year. That's part of it was because of Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. But he continues to create separation at a high level. He's great after the catch. Again, and I said this last time, I liked his after-the-catch ability at Toledo. But there were so few times where you saw it because he was just beating the doors off people to a point where he was wide open. Now that it's getting a little bit closer and he's getting more involved near the line of scrimmage, you see what he can do after the catch. I, I'm really impressed with Deontay Johnson. I know it fit in a little nice there, but sticking with the... Let's go back to the full nice here. Daniel Jones, 28 of 42 for 352 yards and five touchdowns. New York Giants, he played flip cut with Eli Manning after yeah. the game. It looked pretty exciting the, there. I, I wish I was there. That, nice. that looked like a good time. I, I think that would have been fun. But Eli Daniel Jones, napkins all up in that there. was interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. But yeah, it was his highest graded game all year. Um, I think it was not nearly as good as maybe the stats might say because that Washington secondary was in shambles. I mean, they did not look like. I mean, I'm not going to accuse anyone of actually tanking, but they looked like they were actually mm-hmm. tanking at times in terms of he just had wide open guys running down the football field. A handful of his touchdowns were just via that. But I think this is the kind of guy. This is Jones. 
high end. This is what you expect from this guy. He's never going to be just pumped throws down the football field. He is going to hit that hitch in rhythm underneath. He's going to make the under. He's going to do all that stuff perfectly within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and you know navigate pockets well, that sort of thing. I still do worry though about it. He had another fumble this week. Yeah, no, that, that fumble is going to drag down now on the year. That's why he's great overall. Great, not quite. Uh, you know, team of the week sort of worthy this week, but now 16 on the year. I think that's a record. Like he just, uh, I don't know. That's what that leads me to believe more that pocket presence that I thought was like him just being cool under pressure is more just like obliviousness. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he just, I'm not sure he just knows what's going around him at times in the pocket, which I don't know. Toes that, that you've been, always, you've always said say. that about him though, that, that obliviousness is, helps him in a pressure pocket because yeah. it also can kill you though. Cause you're not protecting the football in the right yeah. ways. Um, let's go back to the naughty list. Okay. Will Greer. Oh my gosh. This was not great. Bob Four turnover worthy plays. It, it was bad. It was a legit bad game for him. And so then like two of those turnover worthy plays was like the right decision down the field and it was open. He just, he looks like he has a noodle for an, like his really? arm. Well, the ball was just dying on him mm-hmm. down the football field. Could not drive it in whatsoever. That's worrisome because they were, there were two. There's a cover two hole that was just like, I, I mean, Josh Allen hits a sleep. Like Josh Allen puts that in there, and the cornerback's not within five yards of the receiver at that point that he just couldn't stuff into the turkey hole. Christmas or Thanksgiving reference? Well, I, I, eat thir- I eat they Thanksgiving. Yeah, I eat Thanksgiving. Tur- no, I eat turkey on Christmas sometimes. Okay. Same. That's what I mean tomorrow. But he just couldn't do it, and that's worrisome for Will Greer. Four turnover he plays, like I said, on the day. 45.5 passing rate. Our first taste of the rookie was unsavory. <laughs> I, like that. I like that finish there. Um, if you can't fit the turkey hole on Christmas week, I feel like that's just a bad look. You no, got, the turkey hole's open. you got to fire it in. Let's go to the next one here. Rock you seen. Stuff. Good game. This is a good game. This is the nice list. Mm-hmm. We're back on the nice list. Santa's nice list here. Rock you seen only allowed two receptions for 33 yards from three targets on 53 coverage snaps. A very good game for him. That cold secondary looked very good this week. Yeah, I mean, he was well, going up against Will Greer to some degree. That, yeah. that helps a little bit, but he did. The noodle. Physical. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, I think that's sort of the thing that you want to see keep progressing. It was an up and down rookie season for him. Much better over the second half of the season, though, grading wise, eighty point eight grade in this game. Uh, I mean, encouraging, encouraging, mm-hmm. definitely rookie year. None of these rookie cornerbacks. I think a lot of people said it wasn't a great rookie cornerback class. It's starting to look like yeah, it's not been a great rookie cornerback class. Like mm-hmm. not a lot of guys hit the ground really running and have been impact players. But there's this isn't just his first time on this list. He's made it a handful of times. So encouraging year from him hopefully he takes a big step in year two we have two naughty two members of the naughty list to finish here and there's some some great ones here garrett bradbury got kenny clark again he's back on the oh naughty. my gosh it, i mean everyone on that interior offensive line for the vikings guy kenny clark and zadarius smith but bradbury especially three sacks hit two hurries three more uh what was his pass blocking grade mike it was a 0.0 for uh second time this season he's earned the dreaded no, man, that is tough. What do you think it is? Because I mean, it, it, we did not see this level of pass blocking woes from Garrett Bradbury coming out. What, no. what, do, what do you think is going on? I, I mean, there was something too. He just one his anchor wasn't great, uh, even at NC State, and then he has tiny little T Rex arms. Like, he has small arms. He didn't have the length to deal with uh, a lot of bigger pass rushers, and I think we've seen it. Uh, Kenny Clark just—I mean—took him to town. It mm-hmm. was bad. Finish here with Taylor Rapp. I mean, he, uh, three receptions for 74 yards. But the biggest thing here, why he's on the nihilist, he gave up that big play. That was... I mean, he, he, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders did not... 
Emmanuel Sanders did not give him any pump to the corner. Yep. I don't know why he flew to the sideline. Well, and, he's, and, he's backpedaling into cover two. It was mm-hmm. two man. Jail, that's why everyone was like, "Oh, Jalen Ramsey got torched." And no. It's like, no, you trail yeah, yeah. your receiver. I will say man, this though: it's two man, but he, into the safety. It's two man, but he he, he it was, was a, a deep trail. It. it was a deep trail. He was a little lazy with it. I mean, I don't think he thought it was. I think he just saw like the route concept but didn't think that, you know, he knew he had help. He didn't think yeah. it would be just a pure deep route yeah. at that point. So he was sitting on something underneath. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, but Taylor Rapp just I mean, kept flying out to the sidelines when there was no one. That was the outside receiver. I don't understand. You can't be I didn't understand outside the outside receiver when you're playing cover two like that, that you you're covering you're covering grass at mm-hmm. that point, and that was yeah hor- he just a rookie his, mistake. Yeah, that was definitely. I saw J- uh, Jalen Ramsey, John Adam during the game. So uh, let's get, well, first let's talk about during the game. I saw him, John Adam, shortly after that play. I can only imagine what Jalen Ramsey was saying to Taylor Rapp there. I'm oh, sure no. it was absolutely d- just disparaging like, there. Oh man! And then after the game, buries him a second time with the media a little bit, saying, "Hey man, I was playing my thing. And then Taylor Rapp just screwed it or whatever." Yeah, I mean it was like, but it was like yeah. you you. He wasn't super vicious about it, but I'm sure the on-field commentary was a little bit more vicious. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I'm definitely speculating, but I think it was a little bit more vicious knowing Jalen. That's going to do it for the uh, two-for-one drafts podcast. Uh, It was uh, some exciting stuff there. Love talking to the favorites and the naughty and nice list. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We will not have a Thursday podcast this week, taking a little Christmas vacay, but we'll be back Tuesday um, doing this thing. So uh, definitely appreciate you guys. This has been Austin Gale, Mike Renner, two-for-one drafts. 